you guys don't know, uh, Al and Candy, they just got back in town. They were visiting Al's family uh, in Nebraska, right? Last couple of weeks? Hey, now, now that's not only cool, but guess apparently what happened uh, while they were back there. Al was driving around in uh, Nebraska, the countryside. Not much out there, right, Candy? <laughs> I used to live there, okay? And so he's driving around, doing something, tootling around, and he notices this farmer sitting on his front porch with this pig that had this wooden leg. And so Al, he's a guy, there's nothing to do, believe you me, in Nebraska. And so he stops and he gets out of his car, he goes up to the farmer there on his front porch, and he says, hey, I was driving by and I noticed your pig there, and I was just wondering, how did he get that wooden leg? And so the farmer, he says, well, you're right. You're right, that's a mighty fine special pig, all right. You see, a while back, a wild boar attacked me, and I was, as I was walking through the woods there, and here came that pig, he came a-running, he went after that boar, and he chased him away, and he saved my life. And Al said, wow. Oh, and so that's when the, the boar tore up the pig's leg. And the farmer said, oh, no, 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 he was fine after that. Uh, but a bit later, uh, uh, they, we had this fire. And it started in the shed up against the barn right next to our house. And well, that old pig just started squealing, hollering real loud like he was stuck or something. And he woke us up and got us out of our house. And then he turned around and herded out the other animals out of the barn and saved them too. And so Al said, so that's when the pig hurt his leg, right? And the farmer said, no, 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 no. He was a mite winded though. Uh, then, then one time when I was on my tractor, it hit a rock and it rolled down the hill into the pond and I was knocked clean out. Well, when I came to that pig, dove into the pond there, dragged me out before I had drowned. He sure did save my life. And so Al says, okay, so that's when the pig hurt his leg, right? And the farmer said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, we cleaned him up too. And so Al says, well, okay, so how'd the pig get the wooden leg? And the farmer said, well, hey, a pig like that, you wouldn't want to eat them all at once. <laughs> oh, man, what are you even clapping for? That was gross. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> eat the pig that saved your life. Come on. You talk about ungrateful, right? Right now? Praise God. Okay, but that's right, folks. Believe it or not, that farmer is not alone. Did you know that the Bible says the whole planet one day is going to be just as ungrateful as that farmer, except this time it's not with a pig, it's with, hello, God. You see, the Bible is clear. The Bible says that God's been trying to save us, to rescue us from the wrath to come for the last 2,000 years, but we're just as ungrateful as that farmer is, we won't listen to him. And so folks, the Bible is clear because of this, we are running the risk of being thrust into the antichrist kingdom and you don't wanna be there, okay? And that's all gonna happen at the rapture of the church. And folks, the reason why it's gonna be such a horrible time is because for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they're gonna be catapulted into the seven year tribulation and that is not a joke. Folks, that is an outpouring of God's wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet. And again, Jesus, we'll see that text again today. He said, don't take my word for it, listen to Jesus. He said it's gonna be the worst time in the history of mankind and that unless God did shorten that time frame, the entire human race would be destroyed. But praise God, God's not just God of wrath, which again, I have to say this every time. That's not a bad thing. That means he's gonna put an end to all the injustice and evil and, and baloney that we gotta deal with today. Okay, that's, that's good. There is a day, it's called Judgment Day, when all this is gonna stop. That's good. But praise God, he's the God of love as well. And because he's a God of love, he's given us so many warning signs to let us know when it's getting close. When you're getting close to the seven-year tribulation and Jesus Christ is coming back to get his church, okay? So in order for you and I here at Sunrise to not experience the ultimate bad day, hello, being left behind, even worse than eating your pig one leg at a time, apparently. Uh, we're gonna continue our study, that's right, the final countdown. Now, give it up for John Gibson, because he's really trying to get me today. Usually he sits over here, but he's over there, but I can see you, buddy, that's right. Just follow on his little smartphone there, okay? The number 10 sign we've seen on our final countdown was? Jewish people, Jewish people that's right. Number nine was? Modern technology. Number eight? 
worldwide upheaval. Number seven, rise of, I'm not even going to talk. Number six, John. Number five. Number four. And drum roll. Number three, the last five times. Give it up for John Gibson. Woo! All right, let's just close in prayer. No, we got a lot to cover. Anyway, and what we saw there, if you were here last week, folks, is that God lovingly foretold you and I 2,000 years or more in advance, okay, in some prophecies, uh, that when you see all the world's government coming together as one, all over the world, which is happening right now today, and we've been seeing that's happening, we see with the chronological proof, we saw that with the administration proof, we see it with the quotation proof, the tactical proof, the control proof, and the last two times with the monitor proof where we saw how the Antichrist, the Bible says, is not only going to just control the whole planet and everything we do. Listen, people, he is going to monitor everything we do, okay? Every single aspect of our lives is going to be monitored by a Big Brother-type surveillance system to detect any resistors and to ensure you don't get away when he goes on his manhunt. And we've already seen that with the information system, those databases that they built on every single one of us, okay, uh, to, to pigeonhole us into doing what they want us to do, okay? But Jennifer, come on, do they really have these secret huge databases on you and I that's really... Yeah, they are. In fact, believe it or not, Maxine Waters spilled the beans, oops, on an interview. Listen to this. This is wild. Look, this is, the inauguration represented the beginning of his second term. Yes, but it also represented the countdown of the end of his presidency. That's right. And the reality is, uh, like anything else, you better get what you can while he's there because, look, come 2016, that's it. Well, you know, I don't know. And I think some people are missing something here. The president has put in place an organization that contains a kind of database mm -hmm. that no one has ever seen before in life. That's going to be very, very powerful. And that database will have information about everything on every individual in mm -hmm. ways that it's never been done before. Interesting. You mean to tell me that uh, you secretly put in a huge database on everything that's bigger than anything we've ever seen in the history of mankind and it's still going to be there long after you're gone? That's not nice. And that's the tip of the iceberg. But that's not all we saw, folks. Not only are they controlling us, monitoring us with our information system, those databases, they admit it, folks, if you're paying attention to the news, but with our communication. And last time, if you were here, we saw how they are doing it even with our transportation system and our camera system. You are not going to be able to run. You're not going to be able to hide. You're not going to be able to flee, do anything like Jesus said you need to do because they're not only going to be monitoring your vehicle anywhere you go on the whole planet, they're going to be watching you anywhere on the planet. You are not going to be able to run and hide hide like you think you are the point is you need to get saved now so you don't have to mess with that amen okay but, uh, but that's not all the fourth big brother type of surveillance that we are headed for they've already actually put into place to force us to go along with this one world government it's what i call our location system they have thought of absolutely everything our location system and here's the point folks you might be out there this morning saying well hey listen they're still not going to get me past but uh -uh -uh, i thought this thing through as if they haven't Okay, but, 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 but maybe they're going to control my information system. They just admitted they've got this huge secret database on you and I uh, to try to pigeonhole me into doing what they say. And, and maybe they're going to grab control of all my communication devices, my cell phones and stuff like that. And they're going to monitor my speech and look for that buzzword, you know, Jesus, in case I'm a Christian. And, and maybe they're going to track and control my vehicle wherever I go. And then if I want to skip the whole vehicle thing and I just want to get out there and walk around, they're still going to catch me with one of those cameras. Even a light post might give me away. Remember that last week? Security alerts, <laughs> just amazing, okay? But maybe you're saying, oh, hey, okay, forget it. Forget that, man. I, I'm just gonna stay in my house. 
I'm not going nowhere. Because we all know that a man's castle is his own domain, right? We're safe and secure. Not if they control your location. And folks, believe it or not, Jesus calls it out. He says, that's the last thing you want to do. Believe it or not, the Bible says, folks, that not even your home, your house is going to be a safe place to hide during the seven-year tribulation. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to Jesus. He says it, folks. He calls it out specifically by name. Open your Bibles to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Once again, we're going to take a look at our text there, verses 15 through 22. Okay, if you find Mark, what do you do? Tell him to get in here. Service has started. But if you find the book of Mark, uh, take a left. That's right. Matthew 24, verses 15 through 22. Let's take a look at what Jesus says not only you should do, but today let's take a look at what he says you should not do. Don't do this. Big mistake. Okay, let's take a look. Verse 15, Jesus speaking, okay? And again, the context, his disciples are asking, how do we know what's going to be happening? And what we're going to see is now he picks up at the halfway point of the seven-year tribulation is what's going on here for the time frame. He says this, so when you see... Standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea, what, what are you supposed to do? Run, flee, just get out of there. Flee to the mountains. He says, man, the last thing you want to do is let no one on the roof of his house go down and take anything out of the house and let nobody in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it's going to be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. In fact, pray that your flight will not take place in winter on the Sabbath. You just got to get out of there fast. For then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world. That means it's worse than Noah's flood. Okay, but we don't have time to talk about that right now. Unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. In fact, if those days Jesus said had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days, praise God, will be shortened. Okay? Now, folks, again, this is our text we saw last week. And as we saw, the Bible clearly says in this passage that during the seven-year tribulation, halfway into it, the Antichrist is going to go up into the rebuilt Jewish temple, and he's going to show his true colors, if you will, okay? He dupes the Jewish people. He's going to declare himself to be God. Now you've got to worship me. This is the abomination of desolation that Daniel, the prophet, spoke about that Jesus is referring to here. And notice the one command that Jesus gives. He says, if you find yourself, unfortunately, you don't have to, be there, get saved now, but if you find yourself yourself in this time frame the last thing you want to do is to be sticking around he says you just need to what get out of there flee you, you got to make quick flight get out of there get out of there now don't don't grab nothing don't grab a possession or valuable nothing just run why because we saw last week Zechariah says that it's going to be a horrible time of slaughter by the Antichrist just the Jewish people alone two-thirds of their population right now is going to be annihilated and so Jesus says hey get out of there now flee to the mountains but that's not all let's focus now on what he said you should not do during that time frame he said the last thing you ever want to do is to flee all right but to flee back into your house okay and i would say when you take a look at there the field workplace i would say that uh, it means uh, basically any dwelling you just need to get out of town the greek word for house there is oikia and yes it means house but it literally also means an inhabited edifice or a dwelling and so i think it adds credence to why jesus is specifically saying this is your only option if you find yourself in that time frame you just got to get out of town you got to flee and flee to the mountains because maybe no building whatsoever is going to be safe at this time, right? That is not an option for you. Just get out of town. 
Okay, and I really think that that's what's going on here. Which means not just your house, but not just your workplace, not your favorite plaid, uh, pad, your favorite hideout, not even a church sanctuary would be safe. It means no inhabited edifice or dwelling is going to be safe. You just got to get out of there, run, flee, and head to the hills. Why? Because, folks, has it ever occurred to you, again, that the Antichrist is out of everything? It's a total control society, completely monitored. Did it ever occur to you why Jesus called out specifically your house of all places in this passage? Did it ever occur to you that maybe even your home is not going to escape the eye of Big Brother? And for those of you who think that this is still a long ways off in science fiction, believe it or not, folks, that's exactly what they're doing. The exact same people who are pushing for this one world government are also pushing for the complete monitoring, not just of society, but even your private location. Everything is going to be monitored. And the first way that they're doing that, folks, believe it or not, is already through our computers. Huh? Don't you like those newfangled computers? <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh, believe it or not, folks, those who think that you're going to, you know, I'm just going to stick around, man. I'm just going to stay safe. I'm going to hide out I'm in my basement, do whatever I got to do. But when the hammer comes down, the Antichrist shows his true colors. I, I'm just, I'm just going to stick at home and I'll be fine. He can't see me. No, folks, believe it or not, he's going to use your computer to keep an eye on you. Okay, believe it or not, folks, right now, they not only have radar guns. I watched the actual video of it. They not only have radar guns that can peer through concrete walls to see who's hiding behind what edifice. Okay, concrete walls, but they're actually now working to install these things into satellites so they can watch it anywhere on the globe to see who's hiding anywhere. That's also uh, coming down the pike. Now, also government officials can right now, actually, I got this device. They can actually aim an antenna. They could be out down the street or something. They can aim an antenna towards your computer screen inside your house, and that device will give them the ability to reconstruct what's on your computer screen onto their computer screen, and they could watch you. That's nothing. Believe it or not, that's old technology. It's getting so commonplace, folks, to be able to monitor somebody with their own computer uh, that they don't need these devices anymore. In fact, it's so commonplace that even the average Joe can use your computer and your computer's webcam. Have you noticed they're now standard equipment and all new laptops? Right there. Hi. Okay. <laughs> they're called ratters. It's so commonplace, anybody could do it. Okay, let's take a look at how they're using your webcam to spy on you, whether you realize it or not. Let's take a look. There's a new type of computer spying on the rise, and it's ooh, really creepy. It's called ratting, using remote access tools, or rats, to gain control of a victim's computer. Once a hacker has access, they can completely control the device. What's on the rise is an online community of voyeurs who turn on the webcams of these ratted computers. They record these videos and some even post them in forums or on YouTube to share with others. When a computer is controlled, it's called a slave. Ratters like to scare slaves by displaying graphic image files on their computers or opening the DVD drive remotely. They can even make the computer read aloud using text-to-speech applications just to startle or annoy victims. You're my slave, I own your machine. You're my slave, I own your machine. This is an announcement from the Antichrist Kingdom. Hey, it ain't that far away, is it? In fact, it's already here today. But you know what, maybe, Jim, maybe that's just those computer geeks, with all due respect. Okay, which I are one, okay? And maybe it's just those disgruntled boyfriends we saw before that are hijacking their girlfriend's cell phones and monitoring them, but I'm sure that this technology, that's all the further it's gonna go. It's just some fad with these ratters and stuff. Folks, believe it or not, it isn't just spreading, and it isn't just spreading to government. 
It's spreading into governments around the world. Okay, believe it or not, there's an international movement going on for the governments around the world to supposedly legally grab control of your total computer, total control of it, and take anything they want from it under the guise of copyright restrictions. It's called ACTA, or the Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement. Check this out. They're going to be able to monitor, wherever you walk in society, wherever you go, without your even knowledge, they'll be taking anything they want from your computer. Check this out. Personal computer may soon be not so private, with the U.S. and some European nations working on laws allowing them access to search the content held on a person's hard drive. And President Obama's administration is keeping unusually tight-lipped on the detail, which is raising concerns among computer users and liberty activists. Almost everyone owns a music player and a laptop. But what if the government decided to allow itself to get into these personal devices, and for no specific reason whatsoever? In extreme secrecy from the public, the United States is hammering out an international copyright treaty with several other countries and the European Union. Under the Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement, or ACTA, governments will get sweeping new powers to search and seize material thought to be in breach of copyright. But why all the secrecy? But what it will do on a larger scale is let Big Brother watch you, however this time on a completely different level. Leaks of the text suggest that border guards will get unprecedented powers to search travelers without warning. They will be able to go through, copy and confiscate any digital material a person has on their laptop. Whether you want to or not. So, so let me get this straight. You, you have any government around the world, what you're working on, can have access to my computer and take anything they want under the guise of copyright restrictions. I don't know if you guys were here before we saw the mandate of how they pull off a lot of this stuff. It's called create a crisis you can manage the outcome. It's not just a copyright problem. Don't you guys understand? We have a global copyright crisis. Ah! Don't you want us to control your computers to make sure that this never happens again? That's the excuse that they're doing to do this, okay? And believe it or not, for those of you who think that this isn't fair, this isn't right, how dare they? That's private property. In fact, I'm just walking through the airport or some government building and they're scanning me. They're not even telling me they're taking my stuff, okay? You might think that's not right. Well, believe it or not, folks, they're talking about trickery. You may have actually already given international governments the ability to do that. How many of you guys remember that uh, program a couple years back uh, called Cash for Clunkers? Remember that thing? Remember the thing? And that, that was that program they immediately put into place. You know, after that crisis. Ah, and they said, hey, we're here to help you. Cash for clunkers. And that was that thing that they put out there for you and I to be able to stir the economy back up and go buy those cars. Remember that? Okay. I mean, wasn't that just an awesome thing? Wasn't that just the, wow, these guys are here to help us. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Okay. Believe it or not, folks, what they didn't tell you, this was wild. What they didn't tell you is that once you signed up to that program, if anybody here did that, listen to what you just did. You actually gave them, international governments, the rights to your computer. Okay, one guy actually exposed it. Let's take a look at that. This is a frightening... It really uh, is. So yeah. don't, people shouldn't go on it right now while you're doing it. Do this. not do don't this do at it. home. Trust me, you'll understand why. Okay, can you take a shot here of this, Oscar? Um, here is cars.gov. Let's say you go in, if right. I understand this right, I go in and I say, hey, I want to turn in my clunker. The dealer goes to cars.gov, and then they, uh, they hit submit, to trans submit transaction. Here it says Privacy Act and Security Statement. And you're just like, oh, it's a Privacy Act in 1974. Whatever, I agree. Let me show you what it does say when you pull it up. Can you bring up the full screen on what it says? 
A warning box comes up and it says this application provides access to the DOT car system. When logged on to the car system, your computer is considered a federal computer system and it is property of the United States government or uh, any or all uses of this system and all files on this system may be intercepted, monitored, recorded, copied, audited, inspected and disclosed to authorized cars, uh, authorized cars, DOT, law enforcement personnel as well as authorized authorized officials of other agencies, both domestic and foreign. Huh. I'm glad I kept my clunker. <laughs> wow. Looks not much you, but all these smart devices don't seem to be very smart. How about you? Isn't that interesting? So much for personal privacy. Folks, you put all this together, the routers, the webcams, getting access. And notice it's not just the U.S., it's all around the world. I would say for the first time in mankind's history, you put all this together, and if you understand the Bible, man, uh, maybe they're creating a scenario like this. I mean, if you try to stay home, believe it or not, you shouldn't do that, but if you try to stay home during some horrible time frame, instead of fleeing like Jesus said to do, it sounds like even your computer is going to be there monitoring your every move in your private location. There isn't going to be any more privacy in his kingdom. But that's not all. The second way they've already grabbed control of our private locations. Get this. George Orwell, eat your heart out, folks. It is here. Okay. Uh, the second way they're doing that, believe it or not, is through our television sets. Yeah. Oh, man, are they slick or what? Okay. They thought of everything, folks. Because again, you might be out there saying, hey, all right, fine. When this time of calamity hits and the seven year tribulation, the halfway point, the Antichrist goes on his hunting spree, I'm still going to stay home. I'm going to keep safe. Okay. But, but you got me on that one, Pastor Bill. I'm just going to get rid of all my computers and I'm just gonna stick to that old-fashioned TV they can't watch me on that right well folks I'm telling you this is what is wild uh, we're assuming that all these newfangled TVs that we just have to have every single year and upgrade and get the latest and the biggest and that they don't have some special capabilities they don't have some special capabilities that's a snooker it's very convenient you can get online YouTube and do this and Facebook and do all that and weather and all that as well as watch TV but believe it or not folks uh, these TVs can now watch you they're coming out. They're called smart TVs. Let's take a look at them. Big screens, flat screens, but there's no screen. It's kind of like going to the movies. White like this screen. You can watch Netflix on it. Um, you can Skype. You can, I think, play some games on it. When you think of the Mac Daddy of televisions, the Samsung Smart TV is it. It has all kinds of cool things. You can download apps like you would on an iPhone. Abel Ramos bought the Samsung Smart TV last summer, and so far it's lived up to its expectations. From Skype to Netflix, banking to social media, the TV does it all. But with the good... Samsung is saying that they're aware of the problem and that they're going to fix it. Some, some bad. If it's connected to the internet, including your phone, there's always that possibility of a security breach. Just last month, a security firm demonstrated in this video how they were able to hack into the Samsung Smart TVs. The hole in the Samsung Smart TV could potentially allow hackers to gain access to sensitive information through your TV. And perhaps the scariest possibility, the new TVs have built-in cameras. Which means your TV could be watching your every move. And they could get in and pretty much view the camera 24-7 if they wanted to. Is there anything left, if you're familiar with that book, in George Orwell's 1984 vision that's not already in place? Even the light post, security alert, and now your television is watching you.
Folks, you put all this together, and again, it looks to me like if we try to do, unfortunately, what Jesus says, don't do it, man. Don't do it. But if we try to stay at home at some horrible time frame instead of getting out there, like Jesus says, not just your computer, but your TV might be monitoring your every move. They're going to know exactly where you're at. They're going to know what you're saying. They're going to see every step, every little hiding nook in your house where you're trying to hide out, and they're going to come and get you from your television set. Okay, but that's still all. The third way that they've grabbed control of our private locations is through our weapons. This one's kind of freaky, okay? Yeah, folks, I'm telling you, they thought of everything because you might be out there thinking, okay, fine, Pastor Billy. Uh, uh, maybe when this time of calamity hits and the Antichrist goes on this hunting, hunting spree, I, I, I'm still just gonna stay home. I'm just getting rid of this technology stuff, man. I, I'm getting rid of the computers. I'm getting rid of the TVs and, and, and I'm gonna stockpile weapons and in case they come into my house, <laughs> you really honestly think they haven't thought of this, folks? They have thought of every single thing, okay? What in the world, with all due respect, folks, do you think is behind the news lately in this push to ban our what? Personal weapons. Do you really think this is by chance? Not at all, folks. Okay, this is precisely why our founding fathers put in the Second Amendment in our Constitution, the right to bear arms. And it doesn't mean just pull up your sleeves and, hey, look, a bear arm. It's the wrong bear arms, okay? It means you, you, you got a gun, okay? And the reason why they put the right to bear arms in our Constitution, it was to protect us, the people, from evil dictatorships. Our founding fathers were wise. They knew that if any government, even our government, turned evil, the people always had the right to bear arms and protect themselves. Why? Because gun control, historically, is always the first step to true, absolute tyranny. Because the people can't defend themselves. Right? That's why they put it in there. In fact, let's take a look at some guys who were pro-gun control. Okay? Let me, let me see if the, maybe, is this really something we should be going for? Let's take a look there. You had Idi Amin and Stalin, and Pol Pot, and Hitler. Woo, get the, you know, we're, we'll, hey, we'll take care of you. Give us your guns. Every single one of these guys, Mao Zedong, Gaddafi, Kim Jong II, uh, and Castro, they're all for gun control. Let us control your weapons and help you during these times of crises. Folks, this is precisely why our founding fathers put in the Second Amendment, because we need to have the right to protect ourselves from these kind of dictators who would try to take over your country, okay? But not anymore. If you're paying attention, folks, they have convinced us they're not only rewriting the textbooks, our true history in America, okay, and trying to downplay our Christian heritage and our founding fathers and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. You know who a pop star is more than the Constitution, okay? And that they're not only doing that, but they're trying to now take another crisis ah, and convince us to give up this right. And that's with all due respect to those who've lost loved ones. Please don't take me wrong. But they're trying to use these school crises, these shooting crises in public and say, hey, see, see, look at this. This is why you need to give us your weapons. Because this is a great need in our country. It will save so many lives. Really? Is that really the greatest need? Let me give you just one example of what is a greater need that maybe we should be concerned about and have government intervention. Did you realize, folks, how many people die due to doctors every single year in America? Okay, with all due respect, John, not you. You're, you're in the back doing something really awesome, okay, and uh, doing your part, okay. But let's take a let's just do a comparison. What is the greater need? Let's take a look at deaths caused by doctors in America every single year for comparison. Let's take a look. Versus weapons. Surgery-related deaths, 32,000 per year. Uh, unnecessary procedures, oops, I guess you needed that, 37,136. Uh, infection, uh, 88,000. Uh, medical error, uh-oh, 98,000. Uh, malnutrition, 108 
1,800. Uh, bed sores, 115,000 people die every year just from bed sores. Uh, outpatients, oops, sorry, I guess you should have stayed here. Uh, 199,000. And listen to this, adverse drug reactions, uh-oh, 322,000, that's right, on average in America, the amount of people that die every single year from doctor-related deaths is a total of 999,936. Almost one million people die. And yeah, now let's do a comparison. Weapons, total deaths per year, 13,636. Now folks, I, I don't even have a calculator up here. Uh, and I may not be the sharpest guy at math, but I'm kind of thinking if you want to use that logic and you want to follow the greater need for the American people, we need to start a ban on doctors. <laughs> right? That's the same logic. Okay? But folks, I'm telling you, they thought of everything, even if these laws currently don't pass, even in our country, on the restriction and on gun control. They were actually working on ability. This is the second thing that they're doing if you're paying attention to the news, not just trying to give us up this right uh, of the Second Amendment in our country, in our Constitution, but they actually have a backdoor policy. They're actually, if you get to keep your weapon, they are using this as an excuse to keep you from being able to fire your weapon if you get to keep it. Believe it or not, they're working on, get this as well, they're working on new technology after all these crises, we keep seeing the news, oh, and all of a sudden some guy thinks of this great idea, believe it or not, you won't have the ability to fire your gun anymore unless you have a chip in your hand. Watch this. Here's the new guns they're coming out for our protection. Let's take a look. All eyes on Washington this week as your political leaders are working on a gun control bill to expand background checks. Behind the scenes, inventors and entrepreneurs are coming up with their own solutions to try to curb gun violence. They're called smart guns. Makers say they're childproof and could prevent future tragedies. What if your gun could only be fired by your hand? This will not fire for me, will it? Nothing. The New Jersey Institute of Technology has spent the last 13 years developing a gun that analyzes a person's grip and only fires for its owner. So the goal here is using science, technology, to make sure that someone who's not supposed to fire this gun is not firing this gun. A child, a criminal, uh, someone who's taken the gun and tried to use it against you. Right, or stolen the gun, or actually had someone else buy it. Armatix, a German company, takes a different approach. Its guns are activated by a watch and a unique pin number. It says it's good. You're not ready to shoot, ready to fire. Ready only if you're wearing the watch. If at any point an unauthorized user takes the gun and I try to shoot, it will not fire. Now I'll introduce the RFID tag. TriggerSmart uses similar wireless technology like what's in electronic toll readers to unlock its guns. And now the gun is ready to fire. The chip can be worn in the form of a ring on your finger or a bracelet. Now they're starting to embed chips in humans there in the fatty part of the hand. Wow. So I won't be able to fire my gun unless I got this um, microchip in my hand. Where have I heard that before? I've said before uh, in other conversations, but I really think that the text there in Revelation 13 when it says you won't be able to buy and sell, when you understand the matrix that they're building, that's just the tip of the iceberg you won't be able to do unless you have his mark, okay? But I don't know about you, but all these uh, smart guns and smart TVs and smartphones and smart computers sound pretty dumb to me. How about you, Al? Yeah, excuse me? Put it all together. Sounds like for the first time in man's history, if you try to, man, why would you do this? Uh, if you try to hide out in your house during some horrible time frame and, uh, and even try to defend yourself, you're not gonna be able to. 
They're going to know exactly where you are, what you're doing, what you're saying. And even if you did have weapons, you probably won't be able to even defend yourself, okay? But that's not all. No wonder Jesus said, get out there, man. Okay, the fourth way they've grabbed control of our private locations so that we could not flee in a horrible situation is through our drones, okay? Folks, you talk about the ultimate big brother eye in the sky. We already got them, okay? Again, they're called drones. And for the first time in mankind's history, folks, we now have armed machines that can not only fly in the sky and monitor anyone anywhere on the planet, but they can use these machines to take you out as well. They're called UAVs or unmanned aerial vehicles, and they're not only being used to monitor, listen, and take out targets around the globe, but for the first time in mankind's history, they're being used on American citizens. Watch this. And it's for minor reasons, too. This is, this is pretty wild. Take a look. Well, we begin this afternoon with signs that the U.S. may be moving in the direction of becoming a police state. Now, we've heard about drones being used in the Middle East. Most recently, Iran seized a U.S. drone accused of spying on the country. But now reports that predator drones are being used on American citizens on U.S. soil. This video pretty much sums it all up. Nelson County, North Dakota's Sheriff Kelly Yonke went looking for six missing cattle on a Brossard family farm when three armed Brossard brothers chased him away. Yonke called the Highway Patrol, a SWAT team, a bomb squad, and a predator drone operated by U.S. Customs and Border Protection. The drone was used to surveil the property until the Brossard brothers were observed to be unarmed. Then the SWAT team moved in to make the arrests. Yes, that really happened. An unmanned multi-million dollar drone was reportedly used to help local police track down stolen cows um, and their owners. So, so what is happening here in the U.S., and is this a sign of things to come? Now, you know where I'm going with this. I'll be the first one to line up, folks, and say, hey, stealing somebody's cows, knock it off. That's a serious offense. Okay, chickens, that's a whole different story. But cows, whoa, whoa hey, hey. Okay. But in all seriousness, excuse me, using a predator drone on an American citizen, period, let alone just for stealing cows. Okay, and notice how they had the technology to see through that building to see if they were armed or not, okay? And, and this kind of behavior, it, you're like, well, what else is being done with these drones that we don't know about even here in America? I thought the premise was it's just on those terrorist people across the seas. It'll never be. But again, even if you want to say it was just to be used on a terrorist, as we saw before, what if you and I, the Christian, became the new terrorist? Does that mean they're going to use them on us, even here in America? And by the way, folks, that was kind of creepy, but check this out. How many of you guys realize that during the last U.S. Census Bureau, listen to this. You guys, I don't know if you paid attention, but when they came to your house, do you know what else they were recording for us? They had these little machines with this, and with those machines, they were also taking the GPS coordinates to your house, your front door. Why would you want to record our precise GPS locations to the front door of our house? Interesting. But what's even crazier, folks, is how this drone technology is advancing so fast. They've now come up with what's called MAVs, micro-aerial vehicles. And what these things are, just like the Predator drones, except these are miniature ones. They're miniature tiny drones that look like a fly. They look like a bird. And they can not only monitor you, but believe it or not, they can actually take you out. You better get a big can of Raid when they come. Check this out. Let's take a look. Micro-air vehicles, or MAVs, will play an important role in future warfare. The urban battlefield calls for tools to increase the warfighter's situational awareness and capacity to engage rapidly, precisely, and with minimal collateral damage. MAVs will be integrated into future Air Force layered sensing systems. These systems may be airdropped, 
or hand-launched, depending on the mission requirements. The small size of MAVs allows them to be hidden in plain sight. Once in place, an MAV can enter a low-powered extended surveillance mode for missions lasting days or weeks. This may require the MAV to harvest energy from environmental sources, such as sunlight or wind, or from man-made sources, such as power lines and vibrating machinery. It will blend in with its surroundings and operate undetected. MAVs will use microsensors and microprocessor technology to navigate and track targets through complicated terrain, such as urban areas. Small size and agile flight will enable MAVs to covertly enter locations inaccessible by traditional means of aerial surveillance. MAVs will use new forms of navigation, such as a vision-based technique called optic flow. This system remains robust when traditional methods, such as GPS, are unavailable. Individual MAVs may perform direct attack missions and can be equipped with incapacitating chemicals, combustible payloads, or even explosives for precision targeting capability. Okay, me personally, I'm getting rid of my bird bass and I'm stocking up on fly swatters. Can you guys believe that? This is not 50 years down the road, folks. This is our reality now. And it makes no sense until you understand what the Bible talks about, the Antichrist, and what he's going to do to the planet in the last days. He's got it worked out, folks. He's working at it, and he's already got them in place that there is going to be no safe place to hide when he goes on his hunting spree. No wonder Jesus says your only option is to head to the hills. Whatever you do, don't go back to your house. The flies will get you. <laughs> Literally. Okay? You just need to run, you need to flee. But in closing, folks, believe it or not, here's the good news. Even with all this technology, this wild technology that the Antichrist has at his fingertips to create this monitor control society, believe it or not, the Bible is clear. God is the one who is in total control at all times, not the Antichrist. And the way that God clearly demonstrates this, even during this horrible time frame, is he sovereignly protects one-third of the Jewish people. He is not going to, the Antichrist, cannot touch them. God is the one who's in control. Let's take a look at that text again. Zechariah 13, 8 says, In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds, yes, the Jewish people, will be struck down and perish. But one-third will be left in it. And then the Apostle John tells us where they're going to go for safety. Revelation 12, 6, 14, and 17. The woman, Israel, fled into the what? The desert to a place prepared for her by who? God, he's in control, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days, the back half of the seven-year tribulation. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and a half a time out of the serpent's reach. Again, half of the seven-year tribulation. Then the dragon, Satan, was enraged at the woman. He couldn't get to her and, 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 and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of guess who? Jesus, okay? And what we see here is the classic test where Israel is sovereignly protected by God during the back half of the seven-year tribulation. The Antichrist, yes, got two-thirds of them in his slaughter, okay? But he couldn't get out a third of them. 
okay? They were sovereignly protected by God. And then he gets so mad, apparently just, oh, I can't get him. And then he goes off and makes war with the rest of the people uh, who got saved during the seven-year tribulation. So many researchers believe that the place that's mentioned here, that the Jewish people flee to in the desert for safety, is none other than the ancient city of Petra. Petra, okay? And there's many reasons why. We'll take a look at just a couple as we close here. How many guys remember that uh, Indiana Jones movie and they had this, uh, this really cool place here there with that, that rock face there carved in the rock? Okay, that's not just a movie prop. Hello, that's a real place, okay? It's the city of Petra, okay? And researchers believe that this is going to be po very possibly the place that the Jewish people flee as we see here in Revelation 12. And there's a few reasons for that. First of all, it's accessible in a short amount of time. Petra is only 120 miles southeast of Jerusalem and you could feasibly get there in a short amount of time if you had to flee from Jerusalem in some horrible situation. And again, I think that's why Jesus adds credence to that. He says, man, uh, you just pray that it's not during the Sabbath or you're pregnant with nursing kids, okay? You have to get out of there. You got to get to this place of safety and you got to get there quick. Petra would allow that. Secondly, it also fits the description geographically. Now, Jesus in our opening text, he says, flee to the mountains. But John here in Revelation 12, you're paying attention, said flee to the desert. Uh-oh, so is this a contradiction in the Bible? No, Petra has both. It's mountainous and it's desert. In fact, the highest mountains in the Jordan area is in the Petra area, okay? And Petra would also fit geographically a difficult place for the Antichrist to get at the Jewish people because there's only one way to get into the city and that's a long, narrow tunnel that's about 6,000 feet long. And third, Petra has the right availability to house the amount of Jewish people at this time. One third is going to be sovereignly protected. So you got roughly about 2 million people. Okay. And so guess what? Petra has this ability too. Tours that go there today, if you've ever been there, you only get to see about 5% of the place. It actually covers 20 square miles, not to mention it has a massive, massive networks of caves and channels and dwellings inside the caves to house all kinds of people. And Petra has a water supply for most of the year, okay? And then one researcher we met over lunch uh, actually shared this with me. They said, uh, uh, they recently learned that um, what's interesting is how the UN, whether they realized what they were doing or not, get this, in our lifetime, installed, quote, a continuous water supply to Petra. If you go there, it's just a little touristy thing. There's only a couple, why would you spend all that money? Hey, now you got your water. Well, how are they going to get food? I don't know. You, you take a look at the numbers of Israel, the population today, and if it were to happen today, you got about a couple million people that are going to be sovereignly protected in this area. you got a water supply, but what about food? I don't know. I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord or anything. But is there any time in the Bible that we see that God took care of the food needs for about 2 million Jewish people for 40 years? Ring a bell? Maybe he's going to do that too, okay? But that's still all. Why does the Antichrist give up in his pursuit, as we saw in Revelation 12, of the Jewish people? How does God make provision for that? Well, certainly he talks about the archangel Michael, and I certainly believe that there's a supernatural aspect, but it's just interesting that this same researcher shared this with me. Listen to this, this is a direct quote. They said, as I thought about scripture and looked at what was happening in the world, I wondered why it would be a safe place for Petra for the Jews. I mean, why couldn't the enemy just fly over and bomb them? You know, send some of these drones or something. They said, but I learned from another source that the reason why this could not happen was because planes could not fly over Petra in that for some reason, the electronics on the aircraft would not work if they flew over that area. Drones don't work. 
And they said, could this be God's provision for Israel? And I love what their final comment was this. They said, all of this has caused me to keep an eye on what is happening in the Holy Land today, right now. And also to remember that God is always in control, no matter what anyone says. In other words, the Antichrist is the big loser. We Christians are the big winners. Amen? Revelation is not a book of fear, it's a book of victory. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming back and the Antichrist is the last earthly ruler we will ever have to deal with in the history of mankind. Jesus Christ will rule and reign forever and ever and ever at his second coming in the millennial kingdom. And so shall it always be. This is it. This is great news. And so here's the point today, folks. Put all this together. This isn't make-believe. This is happening now. What more does God got to do to get our attention? He's given us all these signs of a one world government, even this big brother society and those nasty flies. You better get a big serious fly swatter to show us the tribulation is near, man. We don't know the exact day or the hour, but it's getting close. What more does God got to do to get our attention? And this is why Jesus said this, Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to take place and they're taking place, scripture is coming alive like never before in the history of the church. Stand up, Christian. Lift up your head because, praise God, our redemption is drawing near. Jesus Christ is coming back to get us. And so, folks, the lesson for you and I as the Christian here today is, is obvious. It's time to get busy. Don't get distracted in this goofball world. Don't, don't get your eyes on things above, not on this earth. And let's get busy working together as God's team, not beating each other up. And get busy sharing the gospel. Amen? And if there ever was a time to take a stand for our country, the United States of America, and to fight for our freedoms, it is now. And if you don't want to listen to me, then take a lesson from history. Martin Niemöller, he lived during the time of Hitler's reign, if you will, a pre-Antichrist. And here's what he said. He was a Lutheran minister who lived in Hitler's Germany during the 1930s and 40s. And his words echo as a warning to us here today who would dare to sit with complacency while all of this is coming on. He said this. Here's the mistake he made as a Christian. He said, in Germany, they came first for the communists. I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for the trade unionists, but I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. And then they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. Listen to this. He says, then they came for me. And by that time, no one was left to speak up. In other words, this is an amazing photograph. We need to be that guy. This is a photograph taken in Hitler. Uh, during his regime and the crowds and everybody's raising the right arm, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, except for that guy. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that precious? Look at him. No. No. You can kill me. You can threaten me. I don't care what you do. I'm going to take a stand for righteousness. I am not going to go the way of the culture because it is wrong. We need to be, listen folks, in these last days, we not only need to be that guy as Christians, we need to be that guy as a church. Amen. And if you're here today, I'm telling you, what in the world more does God have to do? Out of love, he's given you all this information to let you know this is not a game. This isn't some pipe dream. This isn't just some people trying to scare This is really going on. What more does God got to do to get your attention for you to receive his love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ? There is only one way out of the Antichrist mess. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the victor. Enjoy his victory today. Call upon his name and be saved before it's too late. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, 
let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. E for instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. 
But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com, or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.